Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The Collab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week, we pair up two members and they interview each other, so you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. We're heading into our third year of The Collab, and you can join us too. Sign up at jointhecollab.com and then tell your story. Hi. So happy to be here. My name is Lauren Fay. I want to thank Christy Hurt, the founder of the CoLab, and also Jake Williams, the producer of this wonderful podcast, for letting me be here. And also my special guest and peer, Carmen Gama. Hi, Carmen. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk to you about your career and get into all things circular, upcycling, and all that good fun stuff. Yeah, I'm here for that. (laughs) Great. All right. I've known about you first and then met you and the wonderful work that you have been doing with Eileen Fisher for now five plus years. And I've just had so much respect, not just for what you do, but how you do it. I just think there's so much opportunity and positivity and creativity to the program that you run at Eileen Fisher Renew and really just infinite possibility, which I think is so important in facing the bigger issues that fashion has with environmental impact. So I'm excited to dig into some questions about you and your background and how you got started. So I'll just kick off with some questions. Perfect. Let's do it. All right. How did you get started with your career? I was born and raised in Mexico. My whole family is there. I'm the only one here in the United States. So I always knew that I wanted to be a fashion designer, kind of like work for the big brand names. Dior was kind of like my big dream that I wanted to work for. I did my BFA in fashion there. And luckily at Parsons, I was really surrounded with people like teachers and mentors that opened my eyes to what this industry, the fashion industry actually brought to the planet and the people who produces our clothes and mostly waste, right? So when I found out about all of those atrocities, I was just like, oh my God, I really do not want to be part of this industry that brings so much destruction to our planet. So right away, because I'm still in love in design, you know, love design, and I really want to just continue in the same path, I actually switch mentalities. I'm like, well, if I'm to continue to design more clothes and bring more clothes to this world, at least those clothes have to propose a solution for some of these challenges that we have. That's when I kind of like start switching to being more into the waste resource model of designing. And yeah, right after Parsons, I was one of the winners of the CFDA Eileen Fisher Fellowship, which was to bring three recently graduate students to figure out a solution for all of their damage inventory that they've been collecting through their take back program. So seven years later, I'm still there. The director of circular design, my job is basically just to look across the company like the avenues of waste and what to do with them and like put them back into the fashion system. Great. And what part of Mexico? I mean, that's a big country, lots lots of different areas. Yes, I'm from León, Guanajuato. León is like a big leather and shoe industry. Like my father had a shoe factory. Some of my family members have tanneries. So kind of like I grew up in that world. Very cool. It sounds like you had early exposure through the town that you were in and then also family. But when did you first start feeling passionate about vintage used clothing, upcycling? You know, how how did sort of that awakening start? You mentioned a little bit of it happening at school, but was that something that had been 
part of your sort of approach to dressing and things before when you were younger? Yeah, that's a really good question because it did, although I was not aware of it. I grew up in a, a household that was very much conscious about waste, but waste from a financial point of view, you know, don't waste money and also from resources. So I kind of like grew up there, but it really never clicked to me until I came to the United States. My mom taught me how to draft paper, sorry, draft patterns from like, you know, dresses in newspapers. And the reason was like, why am I going to spend money on a white paper when we can use what we already have? And also I don't want to spend that money because I can spend it somewhere else, you know, because I didn't grow up with a lot. So being resourceful about waste. And then, you know, for me, it was just like, we produce over a hundred billion garments per year, you know? And when I found that out about that, I'm just like, oh my God, I really do not want to produce anything else with virgin materials. I want to use what we already have. So that's when I started getting very interested in that. Yeah. Interesting. I know for me, I mean, even growing up in America, I'll just say for, for waste stuff, one example is Ziplocs. I never knew you can use a Ziploc like eight times, depending on what you put in it, right? Or even more than that. And so I know, I remember being at school with with my roommate and she looked at me like I was crazy when I was rinsing it out to reuse it. And I thought, you know, this is really sturdy. Like, why why would I throw this out? This is this has got many lives, many lives in it. So it's interesting how how much family that really does shape your perception of, of those things. Exactly. That's how you grow up. And, and sometimes it doesn't click. And sometimes it just click at some point of your time of your life. And you're like, huh, that's why I'm, you know, I'm following this path. Definitely. I think it's, I, I think that there are so many different seeds that are planted that, that, you know, inform our, our views about this stuff. So Tell me a little bit about specifically about your role at Eileen Fisher and and how you work within the company and then if you can tell me what what inspires you the most. So I've got a two two-pronged question. Yes, of course. When I started Eileen Fisher, right? It was just more like okay, what do we do with all of the damage inventory, right? And my first day, they brought us to a huge warehouse with mountains of garments. And they were like, you have to figure this out. And we're like, okay, oh my God, this is amazing, right? Because I was right out of school. My job hasn't really changed that much since then. It's really just finding a solution for like the different solutions for damage inventory, right? And there's never one solution when it comes to post-consumer waste, right? You have vast majority of garments, five constructions, fibers, trims. So again, there's no one solution. So basically what I've been focusing on is like on repairing at scale, right? Remanufacturing, meaning you deconstruct garments and then you put them back together. And we actually created a system of upcycling at scale. We also do focusing on felting. We have a program that is called Waste No More, which we have a huge felting machine that blends garments together without energy. I mean, energy of the machine, but like there's no water, nothing else or chemicals that you need to add on it. And then we use those fabrics for, you know, accessories, home goods or architectural spaces. And the other thing that we do is fiber to fiber recycling, for example, cotton t-shirts that, you know, we can shred to a fiber level, spin them again and make new yarns to make new garments back for the mainline. And then finally, the last thing that we're doing, which is not so good, but we have to is downcycling, right? So where we are turning our garments that cannot be done anything with them because of normally blended materials or have a lot of trims or synthetic fibers like spandex we shred them and then they just become shoddy for like the automobile industry the built industry you know or like things like that so that's basically what i do to your second question what inspired me the most is that 
Something that I wasn't aware that I was really good at is like creating systems, kind of like the business side and like the designing systems to uh, address these volume of garments. I don't, I'm not so much involved into the actual design of things, but it's more like the designing of systems, finding solutions. So that's what really gets me going. You know, I really love it. I keep saying that I should have studied in an MBA because, you know, I'm like <laughs> diverting into that area. <laughs> which I love. I'm a big believer you don't necessarily need the degree, right? There's so many things you learn as you go. So if that's a and if that's an inherent skill, what's great about that is those, you know, systems can be scaled and and implemented and shared with other brands. And I know from my from my experience and conversations with you, you guys are so transparent and and share so much about what you have developed and and how you work. And that's, you know, that has such a huge domino effect within the industry. The best practices that you've created, I mean, I know in my conversations with you, I've learned of different partners that have, you know, that can plug into different circular initiatives. And that has not that, you know, design has its place for sure, but I think there's there's something really powerful about that skill. And I and I love that you came about it through through a design degree and through working with a brand. I mean, I think there's something beautiful of that and that, you know, our, our inherent skills always always shine through. Yeah. And also I have to give it to Eileen herself, right? It's because she kind of like empowered me and the other two girls who we started together, but I just, I'm the only one who stayed. She truly like empowered me to take a lead on like these type of solutions, you know? And like, she opened the doors to any team on the company. So it kind of was like a group effort that like actually shaped my career to where it is right now. That's great. I mean, that sort of mutual trust is so nurturing and so important for career development. I mean, that's true. That's true mentorship to me is when you when you give you empower someone. Exactly. And that's what we also do, right? Like, that's why we also like mentor other brands with what we come up with, because we can do this alone if we want to truly change the industry. I'm going to change tact a little bit, something a little bit lighter, but something I'm definitely interested in. What is your favorite city for fashion, for street fashion and seeing kind of what folks are wearing? Do you have anywhere that, that really sticks out to you as your as your favorite? Oh, I have to say London. <laughs> yeah, I lived there for like three months and I, I was just like, I felt writing you know like I fit in there because I think that there's so many like different styles and like people are so much are outgoing and creative with their looks and also you have Central St. Martin's stairs which is just like the hub for creativity you know so definitely London will be the one yeah there's a real undercurrent of punk regardless of of people's backgrounds Mm -hmm. I find them very interesting as well I, I love the dressing in London so this is a bit of a dreamy question, but if you had a magic wand and you had the opportunity to change something specific in this industry, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. So I love this question actually. <laughs> what, what would that be? What, what's one of the things that you would really want to, to change? I mean, I want to change that we stop producing that much garments with virgin materials. If I had the, a magic wand, I would just like create these technologies that have the capacity to turn our post-consumer garments, post-consumer non-wearable garments, right, into new fibers to produce, you know, more designs. You know, that's what we're calling true circularity, right? Whatever we're producing comes back to you as raw materials to produce more. And then, you know, 
that way we can just keep satiating our customers' need of having new garments fairly often, right? So you're just like in this continuous circle without really depleting the resources from Mother Earth to actually feed people around the world. So that's something that I would do. And you're doing it, right? So <laughs> that's pretty neat that you're, you know, with with the the, the influence and the professional life that you have, you're already being that change. So that's pretty great. Not soon enough. I mean, not fast enough. I wish it was faster. <laughs> well, I think one shift that we're seeing, and, and I'm having conversations about this as well, is, you know, the VC, the money is actually starting to, to finally go into the, you know, the different blends, cotton poly, all those things, the chemical recycling, some of that stuff is getting just a lot further along, which you know, it needs it needs that big influx of, of capital. Same thing with biomaterials that all needs, you know, we need a lot of money to be able to do the R&D, just just a fraction of the money that they would use for, you know, male balding or or some of the other pressing issues that science puts entirely too much money into. Exactly. And one time, like some a person internally like asked me a question and I just made a terrible reference, but I'm like, if we are if we're able to send someone to the moon, why we haven't been able to discover, like make a machine that actually turns these materials into raw material? You know, it's just, to me, it's just bananas. But yeah, it's the lack of investment. And I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, VC, like the close loop partners that they're beginning to really funnel a lot of this money into these type of innovations that they're going to get us there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also women backed funding, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit polarized, you know, not polarized, but I think there is an undercurrent of what, what men prioritize investing in. And we'll go to space, you know, space travel is a really good example. If Elon Musk was spending any portion of the money that he's putting towards his, basically, I mean, I I don't want to call it a vanity project because maybe we will ultimately live on Mars and, and need that resource, but it seems unlikely. And it seems like a lot of that seems about his ego. And whereas I think, when you give money to women, they invest in, in community. Yeah. And it's more this idea, why not invest in your, right? Like in this planet to make it last longer. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we just went into the Elon Musk rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, I could, I could talk or not talk about that person a lot. I try not to talk about him because I feel like he gets enough attention, but okay. So then another, another light question to, to mix things up. What is your favorite piece of clothing? that you own? I'm obsessed with Dr. Martens. And unfortunately, these were brand new. Like I bought them. They were not secondhand. But they're like these pink studded Dr. Martin boots that they, I've been having them for over, I would say like 10 years. And I bought them in London, actually. And now they're beginning to fall apart. But I'm so sad because they're not going to do them again. I talked to them, but I love these. Oh, no. Will they reheal them, resold them for you? That's actually a good question. I didn't even ask that. But yes, I can find out. Yes. And I know some great cobblers in New York if you need, if Doc Martens isn't, I think Doc Martens was resoling. I know Fry Boots would resole because I have Fry Boots that I got when I was like 15 that I still have. And those have been resold once. Some of the brands have those programs and some don't. I think for these, because I, I mean, I come from a, you know, cobbler town, like shoe industry. And my dad is a shoe designer. He saw them. He's like, no, that's it. Because the metal is eating up, like it just broke the, the leather. So it will be really hard to. There is a point of no return that things can pass for sure. Yes. And I think it's it's getting there. But anyway, those are my favorite. It's my favorite piece of clothes. Okay. I am curious, what is a book that you read recently 
that's around around work that has to do with either fashion or you know sustainability initiatives that you are either you know reading or have read that you would want to tell folks about? Well, it's not like a hundred percent fashion related. I I tend to read a lot of like entrepreneur books. You know, I really love to read about how people started companies because that really help me, helps me on building systems, you know, when it comes to finding solutions for the type of work that I do. So I'm actually currently reading, you will laugh, the Airbnb, Brian Chesky's founder. Oh, okay. I found it so amazing. You know, the way that they're approaching, like they're using design as a tool to create a whole new system a whole new community you know it's like how design really affects and is used to make a change so I found that like extremely I'm in the middle of the book and I can't wait to finish it but I just love it because it's using design as a tool to create systems and community yeah and there's so much cross-pollination with ideas that can happen you can totally borrow from things from different industries and and apply things. All right. Well, Carmen, so great to chat with you. Thanks so much for lending me your your ear and, and your brain and your heart for this time. And we'll chat more soon. It was a pleasure, Lauren. And yes, we'll keep talking. Thanks so much for being here for the CoLab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the CoLab. And sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecolab.com.